Hello, my extraordinary friends. Welcome to the very first episode of The Extraordinary Ordinary. I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who has sent me a message of support or encouragement when I revealed that I'd been working on this podcast earlier in the week and that it'd be launching. I really, really appreciate it. I've been talking about doing this for over a year as a pie-in-the-sky kind of idea and just over six months is something that I'd actually discuss with people as a reality. Um, But to be honest, as a queen procrastinator, I found all sorts of excuses to put this whole thing off. Also, every time I'd go to do another stage in the process, I'd realise again that I had no idea what I was doing and would put the whole thing down again. Um, interestingly, having all of my usual distractions and commitments stripped away at the moment has meant that I'd kind of run out of excuses. This is my long-winded way of saying, sorry about the audio. Uh, the other thing that's held me back is that I still have a slightly amorphous idea about what this will all turn into. So I invite you to come on the journey with me, cringe at my inexperience, laugh at the pure professionalism of my whole setup, and please, please engage with me. Tell me what you like, what you love. I mean, you can tell me what you don't like too, I guess, but you don't have to. And let's see where this whole thing goes. Now, I'm not going to go into it in any great depth about the whole social distancing stuff here. Or should I say physical distancing? Uh, We're all living it and all of the media we're consuming is saturated with it. And I, for one, am full to the brim with discussions about it. But I did think that I'd share a few things that have really been making a difference and helping my day-to-day and in particular my mental health while staying at home. Um, I'll also preface this by saying that I absolutely 100% consider myself a very lucky individual. Um, We have heaps of room. We've got financial security. Our house is secure. uh, Our lemon harvest had all but been completed when the bottom dropped out of the market. So we're going to be okay. But I am an extrovert with a capital E, and I'm finding this tough. I miss my friends. I especially miss my family. My youngest sister was meant to be in Melbourne right now with my three-month-old baby nephew, and we were going to celebrate a milestone birthday for her and enjoy Easter together. And every time we FaceTime, I'm just getting a little bit pissy that no one has figured out teleportation yet. So here are a few things that are helping me. Uh, There's a local tulip grower who's taking orders and delivering flowers to the door in our local area and just having those beautiful little pops of colour around the place has made my heart really happy. Uh, Another sister, Steph, who lives on the other side of Melbourne, is now doing what would usually be uh, in-studio yoga classes. She's now doing them online. So I can actually get to her classes now where I wouldn't usually be able to. After a session... I feel grounded, I feel like I'm back in my body and that I can approach whatever the day brings with a little less angst and a lot more grace. I've been doing some telehealth appointments with my osteo um, because I've got some knee, hip, pelvic pain stuff that is going on and which I haven't experienced since I trained for the Oxfam 100k walk uh, nearly 10 years ago and I can tell you that I've not been doing anything like the training I did for that recently so who knows why it's flared up now. But it's actually been really good to be able to get online and have a program created to get things moving and get myself pain-free again. Um, so I just want to encourage you, if you're dealing with any health concerns that you'd usually go see, you know, your GP for or your osteo and you're putting it off, uh, call them. The telehealth is actually pretty good. Um, 
it's not as good as a hands-on treatment, uh, but it, you can absolutely still work on the stuff with them online. So just don't put it off. Um, getting face-to-face -face time and connecting online with my loved ones and my friends, even if it's just a quick chat, uh, there's something so viscerally important about seeing a dear one's face that really helps to feel connected. And the next thing that has been making a difference brings me to who our very first guest will be. Her name is Kate and she is my personal trainer from Fresh Air Health and Fitness. In the before times, I would see her two to three times a week for group fitness in a relaxed atmosphere that caters for women who have their kids with them. It's a, a safe environment. The kids get to run around and play. They get to be a part of the fitness and the exercise, but they can also just do their own thing and hang out with their friends. Been the number one best thing I could do for my mental health since I had my kids, and it has helped me forge connections with some truly amazing women from the local area. The thing that's helping is that Kate's currently doing a daily Facebook Live every morning with like a 15 to 20 minute workout. And just that bit of movement every day is really making a difference to my energy levels, possibly my fitness levels, and is at the very least giving my day some structure and counteracting the ridiculous amounts of chocolate eggs that have been consumed in the last few weeks. I'm not kidding. I had to redo my Easter shop because we ate most of the eggs from the original shop but I didn't do it alone. I'm looking at you, Michael. Now I'm making it sound like I'm a really fit person, exercise, but really I just hang out with some really fit people. Kate is my very first interview. She was very generous for agreeing to be my guinea pig. We were both a bit nervous and were maybe a little bit awkward and we sat the whole time eyeballing each other with these giant grins on our faces. And as soon as the recording stopped, we both relaxed and ended up talking for about half an hour. Now the real joy of this is that all of this happened late last year. So we can take a break from the whole corona thing. We can go back in time when things were simpler, people could pop into your house and we could blithely talk about overseas travel plans as if they were going to proceed. Weren't we cute? So without further waffle, here's Kate. First thing I want to ask you is, have you had an ordinary week or an extraordinary week? Uh, but this week, when I think back, I must say it was ordinary mm -hmm. with a bit of extraordinary. <laughs> Does this matter? Yes. There was a broken toe in there. So oh, no. That was quite extraordinary. Who, who's My that? youngest. Oh, no. Yes. She's fine. She did, though, expect the visit to the doctor to heal her broken toe, <laughs> which, of course, it a, did not. A Band-Aid wasn't going to cut that no. one. And oh, no. she couldn't understand why we had to pay that much money for two minutes and still pain. <laughs> right. Well. So what does she have to do? Can she? Um, there's nothing they can do. Yep. And an x-ray wasn't advised because it's probably broken and we really don't need to spend money and resources and um, well, we shouldn't be x-raying lots anyway. So the idea is to stay off it mm -hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. 
Eight-year-olds don't need to walk around. They're fine, aren't they? No, she tried crutches for a day and decided that wasn't quite right for her, so she's just walking this. Is that the first major injury? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm a bit nervous about that one. Broken bones. Yeah, Yeah. you know, Ken's is bad enough when there's a scratch, as you will have. You've administered many (laughs) band-aids to wounds that didn't need them, but, um, yeah. Well, she might surprise you. You yep. never know. You never know. I think if she can't see it, it'll probably be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's yeah, internal, something yeah. or other. <laughs> oh god, no, we're not wishing one of those on her. No. Um, how do we know each other? Well, it must have been about five years ago, I think, about that, that you um, came along to my fitness classes yeah. and brought along Kenzie, mm-hmm. and then. Few years later, Harvey appeared too. Just miraculously, miraculously appeared, mm. um, and we've been coming along regularly ever since. Mm. I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking I probably spend more productive time with you than anybody else. Mm. I know it's a funny relationship, isn't it? It is. Um, I. I spend more time with all my clients than I do with my own family. I spend, mm. I know more about my clients than I do sometimes my husband. <laughs> and it's, um, it's, it's, it's a privilege. Yeah. Um, to sort of hold space for all those people, but then you've got to try and balance it up with the other side Mm, yeah it's interesting I was telling a friend that we were you were my first uh interviewee and she said I wonder if Kate understands the impact that she has on our community and just on the ladies that you train in general well to that I have to say I'm very blessed in that you all tell me that often <laughs> and so it's not a hidden thing it's mm-hmm. it's very out there whether it be after class or um on retreats or whatever it is um, um people are very generous with their comments and very forthcoming in their praise and uh, it was hard to take at first but <laughs> i'm sort of getting used to it and understand that i'm valued yeah absolutely 100 percent yeah, and I think for me personally, not just the fitness, which is, you know, kind of a byproduct. Yes. Um, you know, for me it's like a mental health yeah. thing. I have somewhere to go. It's part of my routine. Mm. I get to talk to people. But it's also the community mm. that I've been able to be a part of and then kind of, you know, continue to generate as mm. well. Did you have a notion that community would be a part of it or is it? Um, if I had a thought about it very deeply which I'm not a deep thinker so I would have thought that that might happen or you would have wished that to happen Mm -hmm. and if I had compared it to communities I've been involved in previously for instance my athletics club where I would turn up to training and there were my mates and there was my community and we'd do our training our events our fundraising for the club our social events with the club and oh, yes, that was a community, so you would think a fitness business could create that. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky enough to, as it developed, that everybody seemed to be like-minded. Having said that, 
there were mums that all got something in common. Well, they're not all mums. There's some grandmas in mm-hmm. there, and I did start off with some um, gentlemen too. Um, but yeah, the gel just happened. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you've kind of you've been you involve yourself, don't you? you? That's my observation. You like put your hand up a lot, or yeah, yeah. for sure. Whatever it is, I watched my parents put their hands up in our small communities as mm-hmm. we were growing up and I thought that's what you do. <laughs> so whether it's, you know, the business or the kinder or the school or the mm-hmm. sporting clubs, yeah, you put your hand up and then you get rewarded for that. Mm. Friends and fun times. <laughs> The occasional retreat thrown in. How do you think you're going to go then once the girls are, you know, involving themselves in their own communities and then, you know, I know you volunteered at Kinder and and I'm guessing you're part of the fundraising committee at your primary school. So are you you stretched? Um, No, I have capacity. (laughs) There's always capacity. I get a lot of text messages from you very late at night. (laughs) There's always capacity. Um, But as you said, how would I go when the girls move on? Yeah. And there's not a school, well, there's not a kinder now. I've moved on from that. Mm -hmm. And school, well, that's only a few years away and they won't be involved in primary school anymore. Mm -hmm. There's definitely ability to be involved in high school, I'm sure. I'm not sure if they'd want me there, however. (laughs) But, you know, I've just started coaching at my little athletic centre, so even if the girls aren't involved, I would probably still do something along those lines Mm -hmm. if I needed or wanted. So, yeah, and then there's always adult involvements like your community house or the CFA or, yeah, there'll there'll always be something. That's really cool. Mm. Oh, yeah, I didn't really, um, yeah, let me, there wasn't a lot of that um, for me growing up and not for the lack of wanting to. I think mum just didn't have a hell of a lot of time. But, um, yeah, it's interesting watching and kind of, um, yeah, it's made me want to put my hand up and see how I can help. But I'm always really worried about going, yeah, I can help with that because then I'm like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Now I've got to do it. (laughs) There's no clean clothes in the house. How are we going to eat? I've only just remembered to defrost our dinner tonight. We've got about two hours before dinner time. So, <laughs> yeah, don't stretch yourself. Don't yeah. stretch yourself. But it, you know, you've still got youngies. Mm. You know, that becomes easier. Oh, please don't. Yes, that becomes easier. Or well, the hard just get gets a bit different. I think. Really. Well, certainly that's yeah. true. But it's not. I mean, when you still have got nappies, when you're still dressing them, when you're still cleaning your teeth, those sorts of things, you know, the space for you and those extra stuff is just, that's not even good. Yeah. At that point. It'll end. It'll end. <laughs> this too shall pass. Correct. So you mentioned the small communities. Where did mm. you grow up? I grew up in a little town called Benambra mm-hmm. at the base of Mount Hotham past Homeo in far East Gippsland. Mm. So as Victoria comes into a point, we're up that pointing end. Right. Yeah, 30 kids in the primary school, a couple of hours to the nearest supermarket and long bus trip to the nearest high school. So we went skiing with the school because you could <laughs> and grew up on a farm, little farming families and mm-hmm. Still some very good friends to this day. And, yeah, it was a lovely spot for my first 12 years. Cool. 
And what did you farm? Uh, my dad had crops, sheep and horse and some cattle, but that wasn't his preference. And was that something you were interested in growing up or was it just there? Yeah, I got, I got out and about with dad, uh, not the horse, and he wasn't much into horses, so that was fine. Um, Whose horse was that then? Well, it was his, Chomper. <laughs> For the little bit of cattle work that he did, but no, it wasn't our preference. Yeah, we drenched sheep. I swept shearing time, delivered the food from mum's kitchen to the shearers, crutched, branded. How's it? Yep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Drove a tractor, that sort of thing. That's so cool. Yeah. I often wonder where, for the listeners, um, we live on a lemon orchard, and I wonder how involved the, the kids will be. I um, tend to be relegated to doing, you know, the books and the, the admin side of it. You know, I've driven the tractor once, but I don't think I should be <laughs> in charge of that kind of machinery. But I do wonder, you know, how involved they'll be and um, what that'll mean for them growing up. It'll be interesting to see. Well, since it's right there on your doorstep, mm. you would think there'd be a bit especially if there's pocket money and lemon picking involved. I'm sure there will be. That sort of stuff. Yes. We've got a job at the moment. They check the rain gauge in the morning. So Perfect. Yeah. See, start small, <laughs> grow from there. Every now and then they remember to do it as well and I remember to remind them. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So what, why did you move from? Um, mainly mum and dad recognised that the educational opportunities would be um, limited. Mm-hmm. We were with a long trip to the high school and a very small high school and subject choices would have been limited. Um, some kids went off to boarding school but mum and dad chose to pursue farming in another location. We never owned that farm. Dad was always a farm manager and was invited to manage a farm near Shepparton and okay. so that, that was a good opportunity my sister was heading into year eight to move when I was in grade six mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, better options at high school level. Yeah, okay. So Shepparton, near Shepparton, which is where I completed all of my high school. That's nice of them. Yes, very yeah. thoughtful. Yeah. Very thoughtful. We did a couple of moves around Shepparton, but I stayed at my high school, Wanganui Park Secondary College, which was a fabulous school. Oh, cool. Mm. Is education a, a, an important kind of value within your family? Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you think about it, my mum was of the generation where she didn't finish high school. She had to go off to work, mm-hmm. uh, left home to do that. And my dad did some extra work, extra study rather, but it, it wasn't the generation that went off to university. So I guess my sister and I are the first to do that. Trailblazers. Um, yeah. Did you go to uni? Yeah. 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 Where did you study? I studied science at the University of Melbourne with honours in geography and environmental studies. Did you? I did. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. So So what did you want to what was what did you want to be hey. when you were growing up? See, I, I I don't I can't recall what I would have answered to that question okay. as a child. And certainly during high school, I was a bit flummoxed as to what I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but always just held on to that, do the subjects you're interested in Yep, that give you pleasure. So I was a math science person through high school and reached my ceiling with physics in about year 10, so <laughs> I dropped it off, but the chemistry 
biology, maths continued year 11 and 12 and had to stick with that philosophy going into what course am I going to do because I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. But I do know that I didn't want to be a scientist. I didn't want to be in a lab or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I had to just go with the I'm enjoying this. Yep. I'm going to keep going. Let's look at science courses. And then it came down to location and that I wanted, I didn't want to be in the burbs. Yep. I lived in, in a rural or remote setting my whole life. So I wanted to be, if I'm going to move to the city, I'm yep. going to be in the city. Do it properly, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, wanted to be at Melbourne University. Oh, cool. Yeah. Beautiful building. Oh, that was part of the charm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I love architecture. And to be walking around that uni for four years as though it's your second home mm-hmm. um, was a dream to me. Yeah. Did you live in the residences? Mm-hmm. Or? Just for two years. Yep. Mine was Janet Clark Hall, the smallest one and a very country-focused one, not a lot of city kids just living there because they can. And had some great friendships and good times and a nice introduction to you. I like very supported that first year when you got no idea. <laughs> no idea what you're doing. But, yep. um, yes, and I needed to be close to Olympic Park and so that was another reason for, okay. uh, for athletics and to come home from training and have a meal there for me. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So that was all leading to Melbourne University. Cool. And so you... I mean, I am the beneficiary of your personal training and, you know, we often joke that, you know, it's like Celeste Barber's challenge accepted. You show us what the exercise should look like and occasionally we get close but not too close. So athletics has always played a big part for you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's just something I enjoy doing, running. Is it always running? Is that your... Yeah. No, not always running. There was triple jump thrown in there too and hurdles which is running of course but as a offshoot of running yes so there they were my (coughs) events over time it all morphed and changed as I changed and grew and got stronger or not as fast or more endurance I did change my focus but yeah athletics has always been a Mm -hmm. big part of my life and when did you continue that through till was there a an end point. There so. was an end point. Would, would you like me to start at the start to yes. begin with? Tell me. <laughs> um, so I was at a very small primary school at Benambra with a fabulous PE teacher who did the rounds of just the little local primary schools, Miss Mitchell, and all we had was netball and football. Mm-hmm. That was all. That was all that was on offer. But we'd have our school sports once a year, and all the little schools would get together, and we'd compete in our year levels and. I just happened to be good at what mm-hmm. what they offered. You know, the 100 and 200, a little long jump and maybe we threw a tennis ball or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and by about grade three, you got the opportunity to go to the next level and the next level. And that year, that first year when we progressed through the rounds, I, um, as a nine-year-old in the under 10s, all the way through to Olympic Park in the 100 and 200 metres and came second in the state for the 200 metres and went on to represent Victoria as a nine-year-old. Oh, wow. In Adelaide in 84, I think it was. <laughs> and we won gold in the 4 by 100 metre relay that mm-hmm. year. And that sort of changed my life. It's like, 
oh, there's synthetic tracks. You know, we had to go down to Olympic Park and I'd only ever run on grass. And, yep. And never had a real competition before except for what my PE teacher, Miss Mitchell, could describe to me. Wow. So that was the start of it. Hmm. So there's a lot of travel involved then? Well, as a primary school student at Benambra, it still only continued as school sports. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Each year until we moved to Shepparton and I could find me as a 12-year-old joined Little Ass Mm -hmm. and experience what that was like, what hundreds of, well, thousands of kids get to do each Saturday um, experiencing Little Ass. And then as a high school student, Yes, there was a lot of travel um, to competitions and then there was state championships, national championships each year and lots of success Mm -hmm. and that's when my events changed. I eventually became a 400 metre hurdler after dabbling in the triple jump 400s as well and in year 12 off I went to world junior championships as an Australian representative. World Junior Championships. You are a dark horse, Kate. <laughs> Did you not know that? No. Oh, really? I'm like, it's funny because, you know, knowing that I was going to interview you for the podcast, there's been a few times we've been together where I could like really do a deep dive and I'm like, no, save it for the podcast. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. You're so in the swimming pool I'm, I'm now. scratching myself. <laughs> so um, what was the experience of being coached like then, going from like, Okay, obviously had some natural talent. I imagine your legs were longer than everybody else's. And then being coached, did you enjoy Mm. that? Yeah, for sure. And I had a number of coaches over the journey, Um, Miss Mitchell to begin with, Mm -hmm. with the basics, and then when I moved to Shepparton, um, he's a very generous man, Mr. Bentz. I had a group of girls who he trained, you know, all voluntary on a – Tuesday and a Thursday down at Princess Park in Shepparton. And then I sort of progressed to a Melbourne coach. Mm-hmm. I was coached by correspondence for a number of years wow. in the lead up to World Junior Championships. Yep, the, the program had arrived in the mail. This was before email, printed on a dot matrix printer. And um, uh, John Crane was a hurdles jump specialist and he was very good to me got me through to World Junior Championships and then I moved to Melbourne and I think I only had one other coach when I started training at my club, Doncaster Athletics Club. Tom Kelly was my coach, a very little leprechaun Irishman. Right. And he'd always say, how are you, laddie? How are you, lassie? <laughs> and, but he was, um, he was a wonderful coach and had a lot of time for everybody, whether okay. you're five years old or or 55 years old, he could coach you and bring out your best. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so you just kept going as long as you Yeah, could. so World Junior Championships, year 12, so I was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the move to Melbourne and trying to find your feet, trying to find a squad that you fitted into and a routine and trying to keep the love alive for athletics, even though you had other things going on in your mm. life. Um, and drinking. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Saturday nights. I wasn't a drinker in those days. No. No, it was all pretty serious. Okay. Yep. And, and then it was a matter of, yeah, do I want to be doing this or not? I, I took a season off, I think. And then I found 
Tom Kelly and Doncaster and reignited that. Mm-hmm. I realised I probably needed to change events. I wasn't fast enough anymore for 400 hurdles. You really needed that speed. So I became an 800-metre runner and had a resurgence, I guess, for a season. I finished third in the national championships behind Tamsin Lewis. Hello. Um, Clang. <laughs> and, and then that was about – that was my second peak. Yeah, okay. And I didn't I, I didn't consciously say, oh, this is it, made it again, mm-hmm. because I, oh, I did go to New Zealand in a you – know, under a, uh, a sort of an emerging athletes Australian tour. We did a couple of races in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But then I I really did think that maybe that's was about it. I didn't mm-hmm. make the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. And I sort of went back to athletics on a Saturday, like just doing going to yeah. athletics and having some fun. Mm-hmm. Are you a competitive person? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, although in the end it was the racing that did me in. Yeah, okay. I've had enough of racing. Yeah, okay. The nerves and the the build up. I love training and I still love training. Yeah, yep. But it was the racing and the competing yeah. that I'd had enough of. So did you have like pre game rituals? I shouldn't call it game. Pre race. Yeah. Um not so much. But certainly I needed to know that I had everything I needed. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'd go through that um, multiple times before I left the house or got in the car or mm-hmm. when I arrived. But I guess you need those things to, you know, you spy on spikes, you've got a drink bag and, and count, list. Yeah, count them all out. Yep, got everything right. I can go. Have I got them again? Yeah. I've yeah. Got <laughs> Let's go. Just check in. Yeah. Did I lock the door? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That sort of thing. That's a lot. It's just a lot, isn't it, to to be at that level? Did you feel the pressure? No, I was um, blessed with the family just happy for me to be happy Mm -hmm. and a coach that any of them really just, you know, hoping you'd do a PB if you were in that sort of shape or, Mm -hmm. you know, go out and have a run. But as I said, in the end it was I didn't want to go out and have, you know, run. Who, who just goes out and races 400? I mean, they're just really hard races. <laughs> Look, I can tell you that I have never just gone out and raced. Yeah. How much do you think that discipline and that routine has kind of shaped the way you operate in the world now? I think the training and its routine and its structure and its requirements mm-hmm. suited my personality beautifully. It, it just... It wasn't ever a struggle for me to say, oh, it's Monday, so I need to do this and mm-hmm. it's Tuesday, I need to go to the track. Or So that just suited me down to the ground and and things like that, ordered, routine, yeah, suit me. Yeah. And so yeah. I'll seek that out if I can. Uh, yeah, you, well, you create it. Yes, I'm always very right. impressed. So we went away with each other last weekend and we had a slightly tipsy conversation about a book and then on Monday you've brought the book and I'd completely forgot about the conversation. And, yeah, I'm always just very impressed by it's, it sounds really basic but you always do what you say you're going to do. And I don't know why that is so surprising to me <laughs> but it, it really is. It's kind of a, a real quality, I think. Thank you. Yeah, well, I I do like to follow through. I mm. think it's important. Yes. Um, and you're also like it's like your 
when when I have a thought, <laughs> there's also 17 other thoughts competing with that one thought. And, you know, you can never see into somebody else's head, but I feel like you, you see things through, like you're, yeah, like you, you just have the complete thought rather than going, oh, shiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the 17 things mm-hmm. have formed an orderly line <laughs> And they know that they need to wait their turn. You just whipped them into shape. Yeah, that's right. They just know. They know. That's so Um, cool. But you probably haven't witnessed me at home after a long week and I'm tired. Mm -hmm. They do, those 17 thoughts can get out of hand. (laughs) (laughs) And so how do you get up in the morning? Are you like a few lumbers up and let's go? Or? Yeah, in general, I'm a mornings person. Yep. yep. And I do mornings so much better than evenings. And I wonder why my children get home, they're hot and tired and, and cranky and grumpy in the mm-hmm. afternoon. I say, oh, yeah, that's what I do. I get home hot and tired, yeah. cranky and grumpy in the afternoon. Well, my husband points this out to me. Right. Um, it's like, that's very gracious of yes, you. Yes, yes. It's like, why are they like this? He's looking at me. You know, that, that's why they're like this. So, yes, I'm very much the mornings as opposed to mm-hmm. the evenings. Mm-hmm. So we get you at peak. Yeah, that's right. At 30 a.m. You've got to make a schedule yep. that suits. <laughs> That's not how I get up in the mornings. I've actually, I've enlisted Mitt's help in the mornings. He puts my phone in the ensuite. So when the alarm goes off, I have to get up yes. because I just, it's clever. I'm like, do you know what? I've got so much done this morning. He's like, yeah, because you got up like an hour earlier. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's phenomenal. Again, stating the obvious, but are, are you informed very much by what others think or what you think other people think about you? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Right now in my life, I'm very much my own person, Mm -hmm. but that comes with being 43, doesn't it? She's so wise. (laughs) (laughs) You've just, you've been through all of that and you you can't put up with it or not Mm -hmm. put up with it or wear what you like. I was going to say say what you like, but of course... You don't say exactly what you like. No, no. Oh, Um, how much fun would that be though? (laughs) Whereas, you know, you know, I went through those teenage insecurities where it was really important to be fitting in mm. and blending in. My eldest is sort of approaching that too and, and you think, oh, why does she want to look like everybody else? Uh, yeah, you really want to look like yeah. everybody else back then. Yeah. yeah, God, I would not do high school again in pink fit. Do you think that? High school were good years or were they just... I really enjoyed high school. I had a really great group of friends. We were happily nestled between the cool girls at the top Mm -hmm. and the fun girls in the middle Mm -hmm. and the sensible girls in there too. And so didn't feel the pressure to be anything Mm -hmm. at the top. You know, look a certain way or wear makeup or have your hair permed or whatever it was. Didn't feel that. Yeah. We were relaxed with each other and we supported each other. You know, you can't really wish for anything more than that going through those sorts of years. Mm. And we weren't big into boys or anything like that. We had each other. We had our bit of sport. We enjoyed our school. We did well at school, which always helps. Mm-hmm. And 
fun times. That's awesome. I don't know many people who would actually relay that same experience at high school. Yeah. I've got a great group of friends still, but um, when I found out I was having a girl, I just thought, oh, my God, she has to do high school. Oh, no. That was my first thought. Like, how's she going to be a a woman in the world and it was really yeah something I was like oh god I don't want to have to deal with that but um I guess she has to (laughs) and she will have you to help her oh yes yes help I think hopefully yes definitely see do you have those same fears I certainly given that it's a different world now to what I went through whether it be primary school or high school and doing it as a parent is is certainly a challenge mm-hmm. um, dealing with yeah, the pervasiveness of the internet and the screens and what that means to growing kids mm-hmm. yeah yeah I have I have fears for sure but we can only do our best that is true mm. that is true but I know, I know. And, you know, lay your ground and the groundwork early and all those sorts of things. But I think still when they get into a certain situation, I'm Mm. not sure they'll be thinking of their groundwork. No, (laughs) no. And I think some of it you just have to know. Like you just have to experience it to really learn from it. You can't have someone tell you what it's going to be like because it doesn't mean as much. No, they'll need to make their mistakes. Yeah bit like someone who's about to become a mother and you want to tell them you want to tell them all the things and warn them and it's just not something you can convey until you're living that experience yeah it's very true i remember being in labor with hannah and i was cursing my couple of high school friends who had had two babies each Mm -hmm. Um, before I had my first, so why didn't they tell me? And you've just, um, you know, clarified that. That's why they didn't. Yeah, yeah. All I say is, if you can, just get the epidural. <laughs> it's my only advice. Yeah. But even then, people were telling me that, and I was like, Nah, I can do this. I'll be fine. That when I had Harvey, I had the epidural. It was like, Oh, wow. It's so much nicer. I just have such a different memory and feeling around that second birth Mm -hmm. because there wasn't all that pain. Yeah. I was actually there. I was in the room. But um, big difference. Yeah. What were your pregnancies like? Awful. Oh, really? Yes. I vomited for 22 weeks for both of them. Oh, jeez. Which for the second one, not too bad. I didn't go back to work. I was you know, running my own schedule so I was at home or just play group or whatever, mm-hmm. mother's group, whatever it might be. So you could get through it. You could make it to a toilet or, you know, just stay home one day if you felt really, really bad. Yeah. But that first pregnancy when you're at work and I'm trying to keep it a secret. Oh, trying to keep it a secret. Even after that, when you're not trying to keep it a secret and you're in a meeting and you need to vomit, I mean... Mm-hmm. That's not nice. No. That's not nice at all. So 
I know lots of people have awful pregnancies mm. and mine was bad but I mean, it wasn't hospitalised, it wasn't life-threatening, it was just a lot of morning sickness. Yeah, mm. just a little relentless. Yeah, running to the train and vomiting in the train, you know. <laughs> no. Yeah, always had a vomit bag with me. Uh, uh, it's all right, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Mm. Yeah, no, I only had – I just would have a, the occasional wave of nausea mm. and every time it would happen, it'd be like, am I hungry? Yes. Or if I – if I eat, am I going to be – I'm not sure what this is. And then I'd be like – and it's like a, it wouldn't even occur to me. It's like this is you know, morning sickness. <laughs> I'd be like – and then it would pass and be like, oh, oh, thank God that's not all the time because yeah. it was – yeah. But it just hit you. And it is debilitating. Yeah. It is. I remember one weekend um, Scott said, oh, you know, let's go to a cafe. I said, okay, Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling too bad. Let's, so we hopped in the car. We went about 100 metres. I said, yeah, I didn't have a vomit bag. We stop. I vomit into the gutter. Yeah. So let's go home. <laughs> We're not going to go to the cafe. Cafe's not happening no. today. Let's go home. Were kids always part of your plan? Um, I don't think they were a conscious part of my plan, mm-hmm. but I never imagined that there wouldn't be children. Yep. And... I think that just trying to remember the the, yeah. the steps, but I think Scott and I went out for so long before we got married yeah. that then it was just, as soon as we got married, it's like, well, let's have children. This is the next logic. Yeah, well, thing. I'm getting older. Yeah. Yep. And how did you guys meet? Um, I was in the city just one a, night. I, I just feel like I need to tell the listeners <laughs> your face just got like, oh, just. Crunchy and cute, and I was in the city one night. He was in the city one night, and we met. Oh, just just like that. Yep. Um, it was a a pub, mm-hmm. and I was there with a couple of girlfriends. He was there with a couple of boyfriends. We saw Mates. each other over the top of everybody else's yeah, heads. <laughs> we saw each other across the room, and you think it's that's funny, isn't it? Because if he wasn't there, if he hadn't gone in to see that. Warren Miller snow skiing movie and if I hadn't gone out for dinner with some girlfriends that we would never have mm. met. It's just fate. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And how old were you then? Uh, 25. Okay. Yeah. And was it was that it? Were you like, oh, hello, I've met you? So I wouldn't say it was love at first sight, mm-hmm. but it was certainly attraction at first sight. Mm-hmm. And was I, a good-looking man. Yes, yeah, good-looking man. He was with other two other good-looking men. All oh, right, okay. I better put that in. Yeah, <laughs> he's in good company. Yes, and but it was I. I wasn't interested in either of them. Who knows? They might have had girlfriends at the time. But I just was interested in Scott, and then he came over and chatted, and we then arranged to meet up during the week for a dinner and mm-hmm. went from there. How cool! Mm. Seems so simple, doesn't it? It does. It does. I actually don't know that many people you met on a night out. There's plenty of stories of hookups, but they're really eventuate into something else. Someone's going to be like Natalie. <laughs> you forgot about it, uh, except for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. But God, that was always you know every night that you'd go out and be like, "Am I going to meet the one now?" But no, no, no. How did you meet Nick? 
We went to high school together. Of course. I loved him from year seven. I asked him out a couple of times and he would always say no. And then, yeah, we um, started catching up after high school, finished a few years out of high school. Yeah. And then that was it. Wow. Yeah. So I've got like my year seven diaries. Like, I love Mick and he thinks it's hilarious. But what a cool story. It is pretty cool, yeah. and I like that. And we got married on our front lawn, and you know, we kind of have a really good understanding of where we both came from, and you know, a lot of mutual friends and shared history. So that is nice. It is, yeah, very different. A lot less to navigate yeah. sometimes when you have yeah. to go through everyone's personal histories, and you know, the context in which you grow up can inform what you do subconsciously so much. I think sometimes half the conflict is just trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. I mean, we still do that. <laughs> so what is this? It's a very sweet story. I think I've still got the Year 7 diary somewhere. So I'd like know. to see that one day. Oh, I'll have to get it out. Show Ken's. Oh, maybe in five years. Yeah, yeah, a little bit longer. We're just navigating my, my sister's um, pregnant at the moment. We're currently navigating. But how do people make people? Oh. <laughs> Good question. Well, it's an excellent question. Mick actually set me up for that the other day because our has got a question for you and he walked out with a grin on his face <laughs> and I was like, what am I about to walk into? So it's a fun conversation. It's tough when you've got a child with a very inquisitive mind. Yes. Yes. Well, and I was telling her about the umbilical cord because she wanted to know what that was in the baby photos. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I fed you through your belly button and then... The other day, she was sitting at the table and she's like, why don't you still feed me through my belly button? And I'm like, well, we, we found better ways yes. now. You know, you're not also swimming in my stomach still. So, Oh, that's that'll just, you know, swimming in your stomach mm. and feeding through your yeah. belly. I mean, it's got to blow their little minds, doesn't I know. it? And they're so, well, her in particular, so literal, you know, con- conceptual stuff, you know. Very different. So mm. I have to be really careful about how I tell her things. Yes. <laughs> As I guess we all do. Yeah, sure. So you met Scott, you're 25, and then you went out for a long time. Was there a reason behind that? Were you just. Um, I think we were just I'm still finding our way in the world. Yep. I think the seven years of going out's a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mick and I were nine. Yeah. Before yeah. the engagement. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And we were busy doing things. Yep. I probably asked him a few times to. <laughs> got a gruff. No, that's my job. <laughs> so. You are a very good organizer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was a fun period of seven years, but mm-hmm. then I. Felt it was time to buckle down. Yep. <laughs> and so was the pressure mounting, do you think? Was he Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was it was my birthday, I think. It must have been. And the Haw- Hawks were in the grand final. And it was all culminating on this sort of weekend and oh that's right. And my mum was coming down to Melbourne and I said, Okay, Scott, all this is happening. And mum and I are going wedding dress shopping on the weekend. So you better ask me to marry you because this is what's happening. <laughs> and that's what happened. And that's what happened. Oh, how romantic are you? Hallelujah. <laughs> and was it still a surprise though or are you like, okay, it's happening, it's happening now, everyone's watching? Was it? No. It, of course it was, it was still a surprise. Yep. No. 
Not even a little bit. <laughs> but he was very sincere, which is the main thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mick proposed when we moved into this house. Yeah. And everyone was watching him the whole day so that like he had the ring hidden in his car while everyone's moving things in he's like just don't touch the back seat of my car that's you know i'll get to that kind of thing and so we, you know, people kept engineering us being alone oh. in a room together and stuff <laughs> and it didn't happen and there'd been so many occasions when i'd I was like, okay, it's New Year's, we're away, we're having lobster, it's amazing, it's coming, it's coming, and then it wouldn't happen. And I ruined so many occasions because I was so just ready. And and so we got to the end of that day and I'm like, you know what, it's been a great day. This is a huge milestone. We're moving to this beautiful house. Like, you know, this is fine. I don't need to do this. And anyway, as we're getting to bed, he popped his shirt. I was like, oh. I wasn't expecting it. Like I'd been, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. And he still managed to surprise me. So, yeah, that's a lovely story. It is. I feel a bit sorry for the men folk, actually, because it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. But but then at the same time, you know, a lot of the men I know are very reticent. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure we'd get many more direct declarations of love out of them other than that. So I agree. Yeah. It's like, this is my one opportunity, right? Yes. Just make it happen. Yeah. But the feminist in me is like, hmm, maybe I should rethink that. What frustrates the hell out of you? Current government. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get political. Um, no, it's okay, we can get political. Is it the values they're demonstrating? Oh, a lack of action. A lack of action. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that, like it. that encompasses yeah, it. Yeah, that's pretty right. well. This. Yep. What else frustrates me? When I forget to water the veggies <laughs> and all that hard work goes to pot. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even managed to keep those Woolworth seedlings oh. alive yet. Ours didn't even come out of the No, pot. no. I've got a second batch. They're waiting, but mm. I don't know. It's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> What's your favourite way to procrastinate? If I'm meant to be doing work and the computer's open, the laptop's open, mm-hmm. I'll go and find a site that... You know, it's got nothing to do with what I'm mm-hmm. looking at. Or, um, oh, at the moment, if I'm in the kitchen, this is the problem with open plan living. If mm-hmm. I'm in the kitchen, I'm meant to be doing dinner and Quinn's watching something. I just stand there and watch it. Yep. I mean, I'm standing in the right place to be yeah. doing the dinner. Yeah. So I'm feeling like I'm not procrastinating because yeah. I'm in the right place. I've probably even got the ingredients out, but I just stand there and watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of doing what I should be doing. I totally feel you. And I'll, it'll be somebody doing an unboxing video on YouTube or something. Like it's not even mm. anything. Mm. And it's like, what am I doing? Yes. Why am I standing yeah. here? It's just it's yeah. like a vaguing out for yeah. me. What do you do for downtime? Do you have downtime? Yeah, I sometimes, because I'm mobile mm. in the car and say I'm needing to fill in time or something, <laughs> I will just sit there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll scroll Facebook and sometimes I'll just sit there and just sit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my downtime usually happens during the day between yeah. appointments or, or getting the kids or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really happen at home. No. <laughs> downtime doesn't happen at home. I always need someone to tell me that I can sit down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all right, you've done enough today. Yeah. yeah. I know, we shouldn't need permission. 
in sure. our own homes. Yeah. To sit down. But when you're in your own home, like you just look around and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That needs doing too. Or I know, it is a sad state of affairs. Mm. And it's all the, almost as though you need to earn that. Like, oh, I can't sit down. I need mm. to earn it by doing X, Y, and Z before I do that. Mm-hmm. And it's bedtime anyway. Or it's time yep. to, you know, get the dinner or what have you. Yeah. Mm. There's always a bit of a clock ticking in the background. You've got limited time and that's the most valuable resource. Mm. And yeah, I feel that. Mm. And I, I feel like it keeps coming up. Everyone I talk to, it's mm. always kind of a bit of a theme. Mm. My mum's very good at it. You know, she's an empty nester now. Mm. So, you know, I don't know. Have to wait another twenty or so years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't count them! Don't count them. There's a trap. Yeah. So then, what does self care look like for you? I certainly think my exercise is mm-hmm. is a big part of that, and if I'm fitting that in, it certainly ticks the box that needs to be ticked. Mm-hmm. That's the major part. And having a book. Yep. Um, I won't get to it every day, but. For instance, I finished a book a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and I didn't have one to start and I did feel very like something was missing. Yeah, okay. And that hasn't always been the case. I mean, I went for nine years without reading a book but mm-hmm. now I'm into back into it or yep. having a little stint at it or whatever you might call it. Yeah, that's my self-care. Yep. Have you got any book recommendations for me? Uh, well, the one I gave you on Monday. Yes. <laughs> so that's yes. the Rosie Project the third one, the Rosie Effect. The mm-hmm. Rosie Effect was the the Rosie Result is the third one. The, the Rosie Effect one. is yep. the second one. Yeah, yep, definitely need a read. I'm excited about that one. We're going away on the weekend, and that's I've got that. Although I noticed because um, I also borrowed another book for you, from you on the weekend, and you don't actually fold your pages, <sighs> and so I've had to use bookmark. Oh my goodness! And it's a whole other level of responsibility looking after somebody else's book. I reckon that. You're qualified to use a bookmark, Matt, and I, <laughs> I might be able to navigate it. You do it, yeah, for sure. I'm not a monster. No. Um, yeah, no, I tend to dog you pages, uh, but not other people's. No, no, you are responsible. Yeah, you're responsible for borrower. Yeah. What is it that inspires you? Like, I guess what I'm really interested in, you know, other than just people's stories and their origins and that kind of thing is, you know, I feel like, so much of my life is kind of like, you know, get up, rinse, repeat. What is it that kind of makes you want to keep doing it and inspires you to um, stick on the treadmill? Yeah. I, for me, it doesn't feel like a treadmill so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a good start. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, there's certainly things I have to do every day. I have mm-hmm. to get the kids to school and, and pick them up. But in between um, my work, for instance, every day is different so that there's variety Mm -hmm. in my life. Even if it's the same people and the same location, you can throw other factors in to make it different. And my kids inspire me um, to, you know, do it better or try something different or... Mm -hmm. Oh, let's go to the pool after school instead of going home. You know, that smashes the treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Are you aware of them watching you? Like, do you feel like you're being an example or are you just kind of living a life? And- no, I'm not aware of being an example. Mm-hmm. 
really I'm just mum about 70% of the time I'm grumpy mum yeah. I'm, I'm aiming to lift my game a little uh-huh. but one thing I feel like that's a two-player thing though like yeah. if they just did what we asked them to do the first time around yeah true but one thing recently on the news made me think that maybe not so much inspire them oh sorry you said they were watching me mm. something made me think well maybe why doesn't everybody do I'm not sure it was about parents on their phone by the swimming pool mm-hmm. when they needed to be engaged in actively supervising their children right yep and what can swimming pools do about this and how much of a problem it is at the moment. Right. And, you know, could they be turning off the Wi-Fi? Should the lifeguards be going around and asking people to put their phones in their pockets? But I have always been in the pool with my children. Right. Not on the side. And so, yeah. well, maybe that is, you know, just one thing. So maybe I'm... Um, if they're watching me, yeah, that's a good one for them to watch. Yeah, you know, get you're in. actually involved with you. Yes, yeah. don't just sit on the sidelines, bystander. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that to an extent, particularly the pool. It's a, I, I hate, I do not like wearing bathers mm. in public, but I don't want them to see that. So I put them on and I get in the pool and well done. Yeah, what's your relationship with your body like? My body has done a lot for me. Mm. <laughs> so I have a, um, a positive relationship with my yeah. body. Um, I'm very grateful to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was all that sport, of course, and then there was two children. Yep. And it's now, I could say, my vessel for my work. Mm, you know, absolutely. I have to show people things, how to do things, and, yep. and um, we try and emulate as best we can. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm very grateful yeah, for what it can do. That's really cool. How do you find that your clients, and, you know, we don't want to put anyone in it, but do you find that that's the, the general attitude that people have or do you see that change from when people start coming to see you to? In a perfect world, mm. they would come to my classes and realize that their body is amazing it carries them from x to y to z Mm -hmm. it um, grows human beings and births them uh, and gets a little bit broken along the way (laughs) and we all need time and sometimes that's decades Mm -hmm. to get over that Mm -hmm. and i hope I hope that you know a couple of things they take away is that oh we need to bounce back because there's no bounce back. Mm-hmm. This is your body, mm-hmm. and I hope that the language that's used in class around being fit and strong and not looking a certain way mm-hmm. is strong enough that they come to class they get fitter and stronger, more agile, more able to do the things they want and then they can leave with a certain respect for their body. Yeah. That's what I would hope. I would say that you do a good job of that. I mean, the the talk isn't, it's not all about weight loss or, you know, and, you know, on the occasions when someone's like, oh, I'm terrible at that, there's always a reframing around it, which I like. It's a very positive atmosphere. 
that's the intention. Yeah. I don't can't always get to everybody no. or hear every conversation, but I would hope that that it, it's that that's the general gist of, mm-hmm. of where fresh air fitness is. Yeah. Um, and accepting and understanding, celebrating and being kind. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Yes. Yes. I like that. So you can be kind to others. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It kind of starts inside, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That that self talk has to has to gel with the outside self talk. But it's a practice. Yeah, yeah. We're not perfect at that. None of us. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I think I've covered most things. Oh, have you you've done a bit of travel though as well, haven't you? Mm. We haven't even covered travel. Oh my goodness. What time have we got you till? You're right. Yep. So did you do much travelling? Family holidays were very local. Dad being a farmer wouldn't like to leave the farm. Mm -hmm. Mum needing a holiday would try and get us away for a weekend or maybe a week. Very lucky to have an aunt who had access to a house and dented head down pasture long, Mm -hmm. um, which we could use for a week with them and cousin fun. And then started to broaden my horizons as an adult, a couple of months in Europe backpacking just when I finished uni and Scott and I went to South America for a little bit when we had some long service leave. Was that pre-kids? Pre-kids. Yeah. We travelled to New Zealand a few times. For the snow? For the snow and for the hiking. Okay. A lot of our holidays when we were going out, I had to join into his school camps. So, (laughs) of course. We went to New Zealand on school camp. Yep. We did. Tasmania on school camp. <laughs> we did Tali Khan on school camp. You know, I did a lot of school camps mm-hmm. in my four weeks annual leave each year. <laughs> and last year we took the family yeah. for a little three-week whiz through Europe, which was amazing. Yeah. Was it nice having kind of those fresh eyes on, on things? With the, yeah, with absolutely. Because I certainly didn't go to Disneyland when I <laughs> went through Europe 20 years ago and it was good to go slow. Yep. You have to kind of build in those breaks that probably everyone needs. Yeah, and just come back from holiday and you're like exhausted. No, it's a really good experience with with children and it, I mean, such a learning experience for them. More, mm. more, three weeks on holiday, more valuable than three weeks at school. Mm-hmm. So we'll try and get them out and about again. Yeah. Maybe next year. Cool. What are you thinking? Uh, maybe the UK and Ireland. Yep. And not stretching out over too many countries, just hire a car and yep. go for a drive. Yep. Mm. Okay. That could be very fun. Mm. And is there anywhere you've been that you really want to get back to? Or are you? I would say that there's still more to explore before I go back anywhere else. Yeah, okay. I haven't been to any of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. Or I lived in Canada for six months, so I've done a lot of Canada. What was that for? <laughs> I was just in a blip. Okay, yeah. I had a working visa for Canada and I just met Scott, but you can only get this visa once, so mm-hmm. I still had to go. I uh, left for six months to a year. Yeah. But I got to six months, I thought that was enough. Yeah, okay. Mm. To do the ski fields, or no, no. I, I lived in Vancouver, but it was okay. summer. Yep, and I um, joined up with a group 
who hiked on a Saturday and cycled on a Sunday. I've taken my bike across and, and that's what I did for six months. Mm-hmm. So we were seeing some pretty oh, cool. It's an amazing place. Yep. And so, you know, I'd love to take the girls to Canada, but I think that's sort of one country they could easily do by themselves as a little trip yeah. when they're older. So yep. uh, I'm not going to do that. But America, some parts of America appeal to me. Um, I'm going to go to Nashville now. Oh, right. Yeah, just because of the series Nashville. Okay. Because <laughs> that's what it's like, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's definitely <laughs> Raina like James it. is out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah. go and do it. That and Waco, Texas, because I want to go see Chip and go and Joanna Gaines <laughs> and then, you know, not be able to bring anything home because yeah. my luggage won't allow the purchase of antique metalwork. <laughs> It'd be very fun. Put it on the list now. Yeah. yeah. Yep, there's, there's so many things. Well, that's how our trip last year came about because Scott hadn't been to Europe and we hadn't done any trips with the kids mm-hmm. apart from, um, you know, a week in Queensland here and there. And then we sort of added it up and until they were 18 and independent, you know, we'd be waiting another 12 years before we went anywhere. Yeah. It's like, okay, we need to go somewhere. Yep. We can take them, I guess. Yeah, I guess they can yes. tag along. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how that unfolded. Yeah. And you're studying Italian, aren't you? Are you trying to learn yes, Italian? I have been. In your spare time? I have been. Duolingo app. Right, yes, yes. Is what I purchased end of December last year. I thought, yeah, this is what I'd really like to do. Mm-hmm. I did some Italian at high school and I did enjoy it. And the kids learn Italian at primary school now. Mm-hmm. And I was motivated by them doing their Duolingo at home. Yep. So, oh, I know all this. Yeah. I've done all this. Ah. And I stuck at it until uh, I had a very big, busy August, September. And at some point, one point in between you know, December and September, I did 100 days straight without not doing Italian. Wow. And I did heaps, and my vocab was huge, and I haven't got back on board mm-hmm. since September. Mm-hmm. What are we now? We're just starting November. So I either need to get back onto it. Yeah. Another issue was that I got over all the easy stuff, and, and I was getting, getting hard. Into hard stuff. <laughs> and I really did enjoy it. Except yep. for the hard stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's meant to be very good for your brain. Yes, and that is why I started. Yeah, okay. Things were slipping. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't want to, and I thought, I'm learning a language. Yeah. God damn it. It's funny, I studied French and German, but like early, um, late years of primary school, early years of high school, and I didn't continue. God. You know, that and an instrument, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I'd kept up. But now I mix the French and the German. Oh. Like I just, you know, it's all kind of yeah, blended into a fun amalgamation that mm. no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Except but, the French-German teacher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, who can switch between the That's two. Right. Hopefully. You know, I'm sure I'll have the opportunity to try to break out on someone Somebody. at some stage. Oh, I really recommend Duolingo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, do. I'll check that out. I feel like it's easier when you've got a purpose as well, when you've got something yeah. to... To work towards. Mm. I'm sure that the kids will be studying at their primary school, so maybe I should jump on board that train. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you can do it in conjunction. Yeah. 
test yourself against a seven-year-old. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Find out they're on top. Yeah. Ah, that's that's the one. Inspired yep. by the the meditation I did with my sister about what what could happen in five years. Where do you see yourself? Oh, five that five years. The immediate thing yeah. that comes to mind is trying to determine what the children, what age would they be? Well, they'd be low to mid high school. Mm-hmm. So there's some freedoms around that. You know, yeah. they'll be getting themselves to and from school. Mm-hmm. That is my huge aim for high school. Yep, is that they need to be able to walk there or walk to a bus that can get them there. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not tempted to move to a rural outpost somewhere and <laughs> rural. You're more likely to have a bus yeah. than you are in the burbs. True, true. I mean, I went on a bus to high school every single day. I never got picked up or dropped off. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. So maybe I am going to move to a rural place where I can get a bus. So if the kids are a bit more independent, I can also, well, whether that means fresh air can extend its hours. Yeah. Or whether I've moved on from fresh air and yep. have another job sitting and talking to podcast people. Yeah, yeah, well, you could um, be on the interview circuit. Maybe you could be a, a motivational speaker. That's it. Yeah, for all mothers out there. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you very much for coming in and chatting and being my my first person, mm, extraordinary, pleasure. ordinary person. It's been a lot of fun. It has been. And it's been really nice getting to know you a little bit better. Ditto. Yeah. Very nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. So that was Kate. Isn't she lovely? Of course, uh, we chatted for ages again after the mics were off. And after she left, I thought of a million things I still wanted to ask her. Uh, And we didn't even get into the obvious things like her career before kids or what it was like starting up her PT business. So maybe I'll get her back one day to get the rest of the story. Um, I'm particularly interested in her time in local government. Kate's been really proactive in helping us engage as a community with local council around issues in the local recreational areas and having a say in how these areas are funded and developed. Um, So it'd be really interesting to to get her take on all of that. You can find Kate on her Facebook page, Fresh Air Health and Fitness. If you're local to the Arrow Rangers and would like to come along to Kate's classes or get some PT with her, Uh, when we can all get into hugging range again. I can't recommend her highly enough. And if you're interested in joining in with her daily Facebook lives, then jump on her page and you can join in with the private group and get your body moving. Uh, I'm going to go see if I can locate those Year 7 diaries and I'll share if I do. Uh, Make sure you're following Extraordinary Ordinary on Facebook or on Instagram. And thanks again for listening. I hope you have an extraordinary week.